Do you want to advance your career? Have you often thought that you'd like to get inside the mind of your executives so that you knew what was important to them? Well, you're in the right place because that's exactly what we are going to do. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 20 of the Resilient Journey podcast sponsored by ClearRisk. I'm your host Mark Hoffman and today we have the privilege of speaking with a man who not only has spent the majority of his career on the C-suite, but he's helped more than two dozen of his colleagues attain that position as well. My guest today is Steve Strout. Steve is the CEO of Myovision. In addition to being a CEO, he's been a CIO, COO, CISO, and CTO. We're gonna learn some techniques for advancing your career, like gaining allies and building a track record. And that's coming up right after this from Clear Risk. Navigating changes in the risk landscape can be daunting without access to the right tools. ClearRisk's centralized risk management solution streamlines the process of data collection and analysis, helping customers make impactful decisions and focus on big picture initiatives. ClearRisk provides a highly configurable, easy to use solution that gives our customers the confidence to inform decision-making and proactively optimize risk in their organizations. Effective risk management begins with data you can trust. Learn more at clearrisk.com. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for doing this. Before we get too far into it, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, First of all, thanks for inviting me. I'm um, I'm old, and so I've had a lot of different uh, roles in in, uh, my career and been a CIO, CTO, CISO, um, CEO, COO. So been around a lot of different industries, businesses, everything from startups to you know, 10, $12 billion a year kinds of businesses. So been around, seen a lot, done a lot, learned a lot, hopefully helped others as well. Well, I know you've helped others and we're going to talk about that. I think maybe one of the most important things you said in there is learned a lot. And I think we're going to talk about that as we go. I want to start off with something you said to me 10 or 12 years ago when we first met, and then you reminded me of it a few months ago when we reconnected. And I think it's your management style or maybe your philosophy. Um, And you approach managing a team by thinking about how do people on your team want to be thought of? And I know that's kind of a driving philosophy for you. Talk a little bit about that and how that works in in your style and and how you manage teams. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there isn't, there can't be a a one size fits all um, kind of model. So for me, I try to understand what motivates and demotivates every person on the team and, and adapt and adopt the techniques that um, uh, are going to resonate with them. So to make sure that they become best at what they do, you know, because for me, my whole job is, is to make them better at doing their job, um, which they already do better than I do. Um, you know, that's a key, key distinction as well. But how do I bring out even um, uh, more out of them? So I'm always looking for how do I motivate them? How do I get them to always be thinking about kind of the next bigger step? To me, I want the people that are on the team that I work with to be elevated. Is that kind of what you're getting at? 
Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm a really big proponent of people working for themselves and they work with others. And so making sure that, you know, we all have roles on the team and um, part of that role is elevating everybody else on that team. And how do I help make sure that everybody else is more successful than what they currently are? But that's everybody's role um, as well. And so making sure that you, you're looking at, you know, how do people do things? How do I optimize our communication? How do I make sure that people understand that um, I'm consistent so that when they know what it's going to look like on the other side, they get to make decisions faster and they get to present um, options faster because they know what I'm looking for. I know what they're looking for. And, you know, I, my personal viewpoint is everybody on a team is going to take a leadership role at some point in time. And it might not be meaning, you know, we're going to go lead this project per se, but it's on the, on the topic that they are the experts in. I want them to lead me to the right conclusion and the right decisions and the right actions that I need to be taking to support them, again, to be that even more successful. I like what you said there because people on your team are the subject matter experts and they know more about that subject matter than you do. Absolutely. And uh, so there's um, the need for mutual respect and trust there too. Yeah, and, and once you start doing that and you start to look at how to empower them to be the leader of their topic, um, it puts you in a position where you get to start learning from them and that incents them to even do it more often. And my, my experience has been people on the other side of this conversation tend to be um, excited when people are engaged with them and feel that what they do is important and that the work they're doing is really terrific work. Yes, it can always be better, but they're teaching me and I'm helping them. It really increases the engagement. I like that. Now, you've done a lot throughout your career to help people get to the level of C-suite, CIOs and CTOs. I suspect primarily. Um, what was it at last count? Something like 26 people? Yep. Yep. Yeah. 26. My, my wife actually um, is, is the keeper of the count. And um, it's people that have gone on, you know, that I've worked with that I think that I've helped. Um, uh, they tell me I've helped. And uh, they've gone on to become some CFOs, CIOs, predominantly CIOs and CTOs, um, but, you know, all kinds of different um, uh, roles. You and I are of a similar age. Uh, we don't need to go any further than that, but um, <laughs> that's a heck of a legacy, man. I mean, that's something you got to be really proud of. It is. It's actually something that um, one of my very first mentors um, kind of instilled in me, he said, you know, be building your network, be building, um, be that, that pebble in the pond that starts the ripple and be building other people because your legacy continues on long after you're gone. 
And all of the people that you help will turn around and help others who will turn around and help others. And uh, this, this entire wave starts to occur. And, and it, 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 I think anyway, builds a lot of um, respect throughout the, uh, the industry. So I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to sound like I'm asking Paul McCartney how he writes a song, but <laughs> like, walk me through that. Is it an intentional thing where you're saying, look, I'm grooming you for a role or does it just sort of happen where people uh, kind of drift towards you because they see you as a leader and a mentor that way? Like, how does that work? It is predominantly the latter. So people that have come to me and asked me to help them actually get better and help prepare them to take the next step. And not everybody wants to be a CIO or a CTO or a CLO. And I, I will, you know, upfront say, be careful what you wish for, because it comes with lots of uh, things that you might or might not want to, um, to have to deal with on a regular basis, predominantly the politics. And it's predominantly how do you, you know, think about other people and how do you act and react within an organization? And the further you get up and you start at that C level, you're now interacting with board members who have a different perspective and are looking at things, not necessarily from an operational, how do I improve my technology? How do I improve my team, et cetera? They're looking at things in a much, much different light. And so I tend to respond to people that have asked for assistance and asked for uh, guidance. And I will give them, um, in, in situations, the easiest way for me to do that is, is in situations where I see them responding, I'll hold that and go, okay, the next time you do that, here's what you might also be thinking about. Mm-hmm. Here's where... I would be thinking about this and how do you think about this strategically as opposed to the pure tactical aspects, which is traditionally where technicians come from that want to be that CIO, CTO kind of role. And they're really good at tech and they're really good at at driving outcomes, but it's really not necessarily just about that. So it's a matter of someone's going to be stepping into a role in the C-suite to understand the drivers when it comes to understand what's driving the board, what matters most to them, and then thinking strategically to try to accomplish what uh, what the goals are of the board. Is it yeah, you know, I mean, oversimplified it, but it is that is that is, but it it's um, it's reasonably straightforward in most cases. There are times when there are either boards and or other C-suite members that have a different view and you have to persuade them to your your position and or your way of thinking. And so you become a salesman and you become a, or a salesperson, I should say, and you become adept at convincing others the importance of why what you're wanting to accomplish needs to be accomplished in the method that you're thinking, but also negotiation skills where you'll never get a hundred percent of what you've asked for. So how do you negotiate with either the CFO, um, you know, COO, so that you can still get things delivered, still progress, 
demonstrate um, successes because the biggest benefit to a success is another success. And so once you build, start building track records, having the capability to, to deliver on a consistent basis, then people that really builds the trust, then people really respond in kind and go, gee, you've been able to do all of this, help me get better at what I'm looking for as well. So it's uh, influencing through maybe starting off with some small wins and then building on the momentum, gaining followers, building allies within the organization. In this case, it's just higher up within the organization. Yeah, but also everywhere, right? Because you can't say, gee, I only work with the C-levels or C-levels minus one, the BPs or senior BPs. Um, You have to make sure that um, your sphere of influence and your sphere of network is as vast as you can get away with. Um, I worked at one organization where you know, we challenged people to go meet 10 new people a month in the organization that you wouldn't normally come across just to build that network and build that relationship. So a lot of times in the resilience business continuity world, we're working with small teams. In some cases, it's a team of one. You might have a data protection officer, single person, team of one. Everything that we just described for a C-suite individual applies to those teams of one, right? Build influence, yep. Yep. gain allies. Yep. It's, it's, it's the secret it's, sauce. It's actually, it is actually um, you know, very important. Um, I found that um, you know, when I started my career, my sphere of influence was based on my title. And I could dictate and or you know, tell somebody what to go do. And it's, um, it's much easier um, and, and very empowering when you figure out how to actually influence as an individual contributor. And when you work in today's environment, um, and that's why I say that we work with people as opposed to for people, because I, I think anyway that the new world of, of working has been, we've come to a a collection of teams of individual contributors. And those individual contributors are the SMEs of their their world. And there are few and far between times when you have to pull rank and go, I get what you're trying to do, but you know, based on my position, I have to have you do X, Y, and Z. And those occur periodically, but fewer and fewer and fewer times now. I think if you can influence from your position, you're much better off at delivering. So the 26 people that you've helped reach this level, they must have a common two or three characteristics that made you look at them and go, okay, yeah, they have what it takes to get there. Uh, What are some characteristics you'd be looking for, for, for someone to advance to that kind of level? The desire to continuously learn. Wow. Is, is the absolute key one for me. And that is, you know, when you think you know it all or you've pretty much seen it all, um, you're probably not going to be successful in the next layer up. You have to be, and I don't mean humble, and uh, although that helps, I think, but that servant leadership kind of model of mm-hmm. I'm continuously learning. I'm 
I'm okay with being comfortable not being the owner of all of the information and that I need to be able to share it. And I need people um, to share with me what they know. And for me, that is the key thing that will determine whether or not they're successful. I want to shift to a phrase that I like to use. And I think a lot of times people in my industry are um, nervous or afraid to do it. And you talked about it at the C-suite, being able to negotiate, being able to influence, and being able to get your point of view across. And for me, I use the term coach up, a situation where someone can effectively train people higher than themselves. And maybe in my case, as a resilience professional, explaining to the CEO or the CFO why a certain investment matters or uh, why we need to do a certain practice and things like that, particularly if it costs money. So how can someone like me or, or my colleagues coach up effectively? And it's a great term. I love that term. I'm going to steal that term. Um, <laughs> but it's, it is, I mean, that's realistically what it is. And it's, it's how do I help educate, you know, the people that are in roles that are, uh, higher theoretically in in the um, in the organizational structure, you know whether it's a board member, whether it's a C-suite, whether it's a VP, whether it's a director, and I'm a manager, having the ability to coach them into what again, if I'm the subject matter expert and and I think that I am at this particular topic, then I need to have the ability to go to that next level person and sit down and have a conversation of here's the things that I would be looking for, you know, in your, in your shoes, am I right? Am I wrong, et cetera. So that you do have that ability to start the conversations and be able to have a respectful and professional uh, conversation at whatever the topic is. So that the, the person you're having those with understands you really are the subject matter expert and that you aren't protecting all of that data and that you aren't doing that just so that I can't fire you or, you know, whatever. I mean, over the years, I've seen all kinds of things where it's, it's, you know, this horde of information in individuals' heads. And you can't do that in today's environment. One of the advantages that we have in the resilience world is we've probably conducted, we should be conducting business impact analysis, data gathering. We know what's important to the business. We know where the money is made. We know what's most critical. And we can use that information to leverage our subject matter expertise to be able to speak to the C-suite to say, listen, in order to protect this area or to be more resilient here, here are the things that we need to do. So we're not coming at it just from an opinion standpoint. We have some facts that we can back our you know thoughts up with. Yeah. And actually in, in the past, I've used the, that role to not only help me understand where my resiliency issues might be, where I have single points of failure, et cetera, but also help me understand where I can optimize. Where should I be optimized? automating that I'm not yet today. Give me the places where 
I can improve the business by doing, you know, focused on the right things in the right places. Having somebody in this kind of role, you know, similar to what IT was, you know, 20 years ago was, you know, they knew they were seeing all of the different processes across an organization, whether it was manufacturing, product, sales, you know, finance. And so they were in a unique position to be able to, to comment and have conversations around how to get things better, how to optimize uh, business processes. And now that things are, in most companies anyway, very much uh, tied directly to technology, mm-hmm. you know, a chief resilience officer really does need to understand where are all of those pieces and how do they all fit into each other and being able to go to them and understand how do I make sure that I'm looking at the right places for um, optimization of my operations, just as important as making sure that I'm going to be up in case there's an issue. It's interesting. You uh, answered a question I was going to ask um, because the first time we met, uh, you were the relatively new CIO of an organization, and I was coming in to do an enterprise-wide series of BIAs, and I think we did like 30 of them, and you yeah. were literally in every single workshop. And I, I remember saying to you, Steve, you're the CIO. You don't need to be here. You can see the report, but you saw value in coming to every workshop. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's important to me um, uh, especially in that particular role where um, we did have 30-ish different uh, BIAs that we walked through. Um, Because the complexity of the business, it helps me understand and learn the business even better than um, what it was because I'm now looking at it from a completely different lens than just purely that IT kind of role. How do I look at operations from a completely um, different point of view from from the outside looking in? And if I needed to keep business going, what are the things that I need to do? So, yeah, I I continuously do that. It's important to me to to make sure that you're part of it. And it it says a lot about your, your style and your demeanor, too, because I remember back to those meetings. And, you know, here we had a consultant in asking individual department heads about what their functions were and what systems they used. And, oh, by the way, sitting there in the corner was the CIO and nobody felt intimidated. Everybody was just welcome to speak freely. And uh, that says a lot about you and your approach to how you do all of this, too. So, yeah, yeah, it's important for me to make sure that, you know, I'm Anybody on the teams need to be able to say whatever it is they need to be able to say without fear of retribution or intimidation. And, you know, all we're trying to do is understand what's reality so that we can improve. And I I keep one of the the mantras I have is, you know, you can't use data as a bat. You know, having, having data and information helps us get better you know, try never to use it and turn around and beat people with it because, you know, that'll stop people from from providing you the accuracy that you really need. Um, That's great. 
Hey, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, you're worth following, that's for sure. But how do people get in touch with you if they want to? LinkedIn, it's probably the easiest way to find me. Um, I'm uh, president at uh, MyoVision. Um, and uh, so if you search for that, it's uh, Steve Stroud. It's real easy. Do you want to take a second and just explain what MyoVision is? Sure, absolutely. So um, hardware software company um, based in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. And um, I'm, I'm recently there. So we build um, hardware and software to help cities uh, manage traffic uh, predominantly and making sure that uh, we keep cities safer and greener by keeping the traffic flows going, making sure that people that are walking and, and uh, riding bikes and um, in vehicles all know about each other and where they are and set the traffic lights to make sure that everybody stays safe. That's uh, it's great work. That's, Thank yeah, you yeah. for doing that. And thanks for coming to be a guest on the Resilient Journey podcast. Listen, you have this um, style about you. It's infectious. Uh, I've said this to you before. You called me not too long ago and said, hey, would you help me with a project? Steve, the answer is always yes, because uh, I, I love how you uh, you work with people and it's great. And, and I'm glad we got to tap into that a little bit here on this episode. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for doing this. It is absolutely my pleasure. Anytime. A huge thanks to Steve Strout for providing some interesting insights into how you can advance your career. I found it interesting that one of the most important characteristics of successful people is the willingness to continue to learn. A special thanks as always to Clear Risk for sponsoring The Resilient Journey. And can I ask that you follow the podcast? We sure do appreciate it. We have an interesting guest on next week's episode. Our guest is me. You'll have to tune in to see what that's all about. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey. <laughs>